These are uncertain days for Mary, pondering thoughts, curious questions swirling around in her heart. How can this be? Me, the favored one of the Lord? Me, carrying in my womb the Son of the Most High? The one to be given the throne of David? How can this be? She reflects and she wonders, she hangs on to the promises of the angel. Those words of comfort and consolation, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, for nothing will be impossible with God. Mary's response to the angel, her bold declaration, has become her hourly prayer. Here am I, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And today that prayer is carrying her into the final steps of a six-day trek into the Judean countryside. She's walked and toiled 130 kilometers from her hometown, this solo pilgrimage, probably needing breaks for morning sickness timeouts, en route to visit her good relative, Elizabeth. And perhaps her here am I prayer is accompanied by one of the songs of Israel. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He will not let my footsteps falter. He will not let my feet stumble. She arrives at Elizabeth's doorway and Zechariah is waving his hands and motioning her to come in with kindness and hospitality. Elizabeth hears Mary call her name. Moved by the spirit and kicked in the womb by her baby, Elizabeth shouts and cries out, Mary, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. They are overjoyed. They embrace, they whisper words of love and kindness into each other's ears. Elizabeth looks at her again and exclaims, Why has this happened to me? The mother of my Lord comes to me? Mary, you are blessed because you believe. You believe in the fulfillment that has been spoken to you by the Lord. This is exactly what Mary needs to hear. Words of affirmation, words of confirmation, words of love and welcome and joyful gladness. She didn't think she'd hear otherwise from her dear relative, but lest we forget, Mary's in quite the, let's say, frail or um, fragile or frenetic headspace. This place and space where, like Don shared last week with the children, we say our yes to God. Don also said it in her sermon. We say our yes to God, but we thank God that we don't actually see the big picture of what God may have in store for us. Think of that time when you said yes, and it turned your world upside down. Think of a time when you said yes, and it turned your world upside down. Maybe you said yes to a proposal or 
a partnership or a job offer, you got that university acceptance letter in the mail, and you said yes. You said yes to the pregnancy test results or moving to another city, another neighborhood, a school. You might have felt in your heart that the yes was there, and maybe you even had some Holy Spirit inspiration and revelation where you sensed that there, would no, there was no way you could say no, but after the yes, it can sometimes be scary. This leap of faith, this choosing of a way that maybe surprises you. You didn't see it coming, but you knew in your heart you couldn't say no. So you said yes. Remember that yes? And in the wake of that yes, when the consequences were unfolding, did you get nervous? Or maybe you started second-guessing yourself. Maybe you were overwhelmed. Was that really the Spirit? Or was it that tickling of my innards from that five-day-old pizza? I remember saying yes to Sandy Potter back in the fall of 1992. Some of you have heard this story. Sandy's my wife. Um, And I recall us studying in the science lab classroom on college campus a warm evening late September. And during one of the study breaks, Sandy looks at me and says, Admit it! You like me just as much as I like you. If you know Sandy, that's a riveting, a riveting sentence. So there I am, shaking in my boots, or actually my circa 1992 Tiva sandals. And I utter this nervous, yes, that would forever change my life. Now, of course, my nervous yes was one billionth the size of Mary's yes. She said yes to be the mother of God, this 15-year-old, saying yes to being the, as we talked about it a few weeks ago, the human container of the uncontainable God. Ponder that for a moment. 15-year-old mother saying yes. We don't know what the small-town gossip was like in Nazareth after her yes, but she got pregnant, and according to that divine blueprint, it wasn't Joseph's child, and there was probably a rumor mill, people whispering behind cupped hands. This village where the word probably got out pretty quick. Nazareth was maybe a village of 50 or 60 families. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised that Mary wanted to get out of Dodge. She went with haste and ran for the hills. She needed to be with someone who wouldn't shame or judge or second-guess her. She needed comfort and consolation. So she ran for the hills to her cousin, or maybe it's her aunt, Elizabeth. Mary was welcomed, and Elizabeth rejoices over her with prophecy and song. And it's really cool to kind of see all the prophetic 
coming together that happens in that moment at Elizabeth and Zechariah's house. All these prophets, all this prophetic work, this spiritual commotion. John the Baptist, in the womb, kind of kicks things off by kicking in the womb. He leaps in Elizabeth's womb. And then Elizabeth utters words of exclamation and blessing and prophecy and beatitude. Zechariah is a prophet who's muted at this moment. We'll get more in his story in the weeks to come, but still this prophetic presence. And then Mary prophesies, and she carries in her womb the prophet of all prophets, Jesus, of course. This is like a mini Pentecost, is it not? The people gathered, the spirit falling, voices uttering prophetic words about this world that could be and will be changed and transformed by the spirit of a living God. Mary bursts in the song and prophecy, and we could devote another whole sermon to that, but suffice it to say that she thanks God, she rejoices, she renews her yes, and she clings to the promises of a God who will lift up the lowly, of a God who will fill the hungry, a God who will take Israel and take Mary and her friends by the hand. She's not alone. And in this moment, in time, she's needed this companion to assure her. And Elizabeth becomes a gift and a godsend. There's no moving in the head of the story without Elizabeth's presence, her confidence, her confirmation, and her care. So these are uncertain days for Mary, for us. We need gifts and godsends. We, too, need companions. Even as we've prayed today in the midst of the pressures and the isolation, the restraints and the restrictions piling up, we sometimes feel like we need to run with haste somewhere to find someone who might care for us, console us, and welcome us. And I recognize that all of us might not be in a place where we have that best friend or that companion who we can reach out to, and maybe this is a time worthy of lament if you've lost that companion or you're seeking a new companion in these days. But I would encourage us to pay attention to who the Spirit might be providing for us, to who the Spirit might be nudging us to go on pilgrimage. And maybe it's a pilgrimage through cyberspace rather than a 180-kilometer walk, but making that journey to find that place where that person is who might offer you consolation, compassion, care, confidence, reassurance in these days. And I have an image for us to reflect on as we reflect on the companionship journey of needing gifts and godsends for such a time as this. This is a piece called Mary and Elizabeth by an artist named Laura Pittman. And you can find images and other Advent art like this at sanctifiedart.org. And Evan's going to post that for us. 
And I invite you to meditate as we close in prayer and receive and hear the prayer that I read as a way for you to enter into this art meditation. And maybe you'll find yourself alongside Mary, needing confirmation, assurance, consolation. Or maybe you find yourself resonating with the image of Elizabeth. You have been called, invited to care and comfort for others in these days. Or maybe you're simply longing for comfort and consolation and asking the spirit of our living God to minister to you today, to care for you, to comfort, to come alongside you. I invite you to pause, to breathe, to reflect, to look on this art image and to pray. Loving God, we journey with Mary to Elizabeth's place today. And we pray that we might find renewed companionship with your spirit and maybe a way forward to reach out or to go with haste to companions that we need to reach out to in these last days of Advent. And we pray, blessed are those who gift their hearts with tenderness and joy. God will open them each day and fill them to give again. Blessed are those who love. Blessed are those who host the poor. Blessed are those with arms for children. Blessed are those who are meek and mild. Blessed are those who awaken to life. Blessed are those oblivious to hate. O God, you long to liberate us from fear. Warm the blankets. Open your arms. Prepare our hearts for the Messiah has come.